Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom and Keith Jones, KJ back with you. Front row Knowles, a post-game edition, if you will. It's the wee hours of Monday morning as we chat, Keith. And I know we're going to talk about a loss, and I know we're not into moral victories, but and I'm actually driving home from the stadium right now as we record this, Keith. As, as I'm leaving the stadium, I'm more upbeat than I am disappointed, and I'll stop there and let you uh, rebut. But I am disappointed. And the reason is I feel bad for the kids, you know, all through the Taggart era and even a little bit last year, we talked about how this team, when they would get down, would, uh, they wouldn't quit, but they would basically fold the tent and and be done with it. Well, they came back from 18 points down. I think it was in the second half, uh, mainly the fourth quarter. And so I feel bad in that they gave the effort and then, get the victory. Uh, and, and that's disconcerting just a little bit to me. I hope that doesn't, I hope that ends up being a motivator and not a downer uh, as they, uh, you know, get ready to hear on the short week as they get ready for the next ball game. I, I thought it was an absolutely entertaining ball game. And I think uh, the nation saw that FSU is uh, their trajectory is uh, in, in the right direction and at a very steep climb. Yeah, I agree with what you said, and I've talked about it. We've talked about this for a while, Keith, and this is not technical. This is not do you have the right guy playing the right position or do you need a five-star instead of the four-star. It's a very broad statement, but you and I have talked about it because it's been this way for four or five years. When adversity hits, this team has quit. And Sunday night against Notre Dame, adversity hit, and they did not quit. And that is a step forward, even though the result is – the common one that we've seen over the last couple of years. Would you agree with that? Very much so. Very much so. And I think anyone who watched that game start to finish uh, will understand that um, the, 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 the effort was there. There were times that execution needed to be a little better. Uh, there was a couple of times that uh, Coach Norvell is going to be second guess for decisions that he made. Uh, and, and, you know, that'll come in the, in the days, hours and days to come, but you can't fault the progress and the progress was evident and the progress was real. And, uh, this is, this is a pretty good Notre Dame team. I mean, the worst thing that can happen is for them to lose three or four ball games and and not live up to their billing as they continue on in the season. Uh, but I, I'm disappointed for the kids from the standpoint of not getting the win, given the effort but I'm pleased with where we're at and what direction we're headed in. Let's keep it macro for the moment, and then we'll get into some of the things that you're pointing out, and we can talk about the coverage bust early on and then some of the decisions. The, other, the two other macro points here, one, Keith, unfortunately, I hate it. This is from the I hate it when I'm right department. But kicking doesn't show up, and it's not a talking point when you lose 50 to – 20 or whatever the average score has been for Florida state in some of these games in the last few years. But again, we talked about this. If you're going to compete and play close games, kicking matters. Now 
this this brings us right into the micro discussion, I realize. The, the other macro thing, and then we'll go back to the end of the game, is that we're going to have a lot of quarterback conversation here about which guy needs to play. And to me, it seems sort of like the same thing we said in the spring. Maybe Jordan was better in spring. McKenzie shows up when the lights go on. But again, we'll get to that. So let's go to the let's go to the end game. This is one of the things you're pointing out that Coach Norvell will be second guessed about. He took the timeout. In effect, the argument would go that he iced his own kicker. Now I was standing in the end zone between the, the goalposts, and the kick that didn't count was dead center line drive would have been good for ten or fifteen yards more. I don't know, and unfortunately, that's just the reality of it, Keith. I don't know that you can second guess moving the ball up twelve yards to help your kicker because in effect that's how much it moved up well here here's my point and again it's first game although this staff has been together now they're going into their second year they called the timeout to challenge the the fumble which was reversed that needed to be done quicker in other words that needed to be done before the kicker even lines up because once the kicker lines up anything you do is going to ice him. And, you know, you just, you, you just got to be better at that. If that's something that you want to do, you've got to make that decision quicker. Uh, that, that's my criticism. Not that it was done. It was the right thing to do. It just wasn't done in a timely fashion. And, uh, and I would say that the counterpoint to that is probably that they didn't get a replay review in time to do it. So to your point, you have to just let it ride if the kicker is that close. To, if the ball is that close to being snapped, you're saying let it ride. Correct. Unless you've I'm got saying, you know, somebody yeah. out of place, unless there's going to be a penalty, you know, you just got to let that go, I think. I think. But the bigger one, Tommy, is going to be those that want to, want to hear the why of going for it fourth and two on your own 30, 35-yard line, which really ended up being a bad, bad decision. Uh, and I know that, that Mike is trying to send a message. I know that they work on that a lot, and he thinks that you should be able to get two yards anywhere on the field anytime you need to, but that was, that was a call that I would not have made. It, it, it even near my mind to go for it in that situation, but he did. Obviously, if they make it, it's a great decision. If you don't make it, it's a bad decision. I get that, Monday morning quarterback, that type of thing. But I really, I really think that's one that 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 was bigger than even the call relative to the field goal and in the in the review. Yeah, I did not hear. I'm I'm driving home right now, and I interviewed players after the game. I did not hear Coach Norvell's post game, and obviously he would have been asked that. My sense from the sideline is that because the offense was sputtering so much, the defense was completely gassed. And he felt like they had to keep the football to try and give the defense a little bit more of a breather. Now, so I'm not saying I love the decision, but I'm thinking that was probably the rationale. Now, I hated the call. Like, to me, it needed to be more of a run-pass option or just keep going with the Wildcat. You'd run it two previous plays and gotten probably seven or eight yards total, whatever it was, uh, with with Corbin. I I didn't like the call. Uh, was my bigger beef with it, but I but I hear you. I, I guess the one I don't know if you watched the game was it Thursday night Minnesota and Ohio State. Minnesota went for one on its own twenty-one, got it, and wound up having the lead over Ohio State at halftime. So 
you know, Mike Norvell's not the only that was PJ Fleck. Norvell's not the only one who's going to gamble like that. But I, when when you when you roll the dice, you are going to be second guessed for that. No question. And again, I think it will simply be a question of what was the rationale, reasoning, and that type of thing. Um, you know, it did not end up being. I was afraid it was going to end up being the the floodgates. You know, the, that we would end up with a fifty-eight to twenty ball game instead of forty-one thirty-eight. That was my fear at the time. Uh, but uh, let's let's say this: you know, Coach Norvell will make decisions like that, and so we just need to be prepared for him going forward because that's just as that's how aggressive he he wants to be and how aggressive he can be. Yeah. So let's, and, and, you know, people have continued to have differing opinions on that and, and the end game situation. I think to, to me, if you wanted, I'm going back to the end game. If you wanted to, to second guess the end game a little bit more, uh, it's not so much. Do you call the timeout to try and challenge that it's, did you get too conservative on first and second down there in overtime when it was run, run, and then obvious passing situation. Uh, and again, hindsight's always 2020. What did you think about that? Well, and, and the, the commentators, you know, Testor and, and, and uh, uh, them were talking about the fact that for the better part of the second half, Notre Dame went with a three-man front. So they were challenging Florida State to run the ball. So um, I, I didn't have a problem with that aspect of it because FSU had had some success running the ball. Um, it just was an unfortunate set of events that set that up. Um, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty in those situations. Um, you know, McKenzie had come in and, and had been very good, but, um, you know, Notre Dame was just challenging Florida State to run the ball. So, no, I didn't have a problem with those first two calls. So, you mentioned McKenzie. Let's go right there because this quarterback battle, I think everybody thought – Everybody, not everybody. There's there's some people that thought Jordan would win it. I think most media going back to the spring leading up to fall camp up until about the middle of fall camp when Milton had missed some practices. Prior to that, everybody thought Milton was going to be the starter. Uh, Jordan's definitely much improved. That touchdown pass he threw is a ball that he wouldn't have thrown and completed last year. It was a beautiful throw. Correct. To me, what it looked like with him when he got outside and I'd have to watch the tape to see if he was, if he was coming out of the pocket too soon, but once he was out of the pocket, he seemed as if he didn't want to run. He was trying really hard to stay in and throw and it negated what he could do because to me, there were some opportunities there that he didn't take. And then Milton, you go back and Milton, just as we said in the spring, he wasn't the most polished of the quarterbacks in practice this fall. But the lights going, he doesn't even warm up. He comes in and his first throw is a 22-yard completion, and he started like five for five. And he just he, – he, I'm not saying that he's the Chiefs quarterback, but he, he changes his arm slot and he does some funky things, and somehow the ball comes out and he completes it, which is what he did at UCF. So I'm, I'm saying a lot, Keith, to say that this, this quarterback situation is going to be interesting. It is. Um, the one thing I would say, if, you know, if – if Jordan Travis called me up and said, KJ, what do I need to do differently when I get outside the pocket? Well, what you need to do is throw the ball and don't try to aim it because he, he got way too much air under the ball a couple of times. That's the, the one in particular when the safety was able to come all the way across the field and intercept it. 
you know, sling that ball like you did last year. In other words, he is being told to be more conscious about trying to get the ball downfield and not run it. But in that process, he's, he's forgotten that when you're on the run, go ahead and sling the ball. Don't try to get air under it. Don't try to be nice with it. Um, but yes, he, he is much improved. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know that we're going to have a quarterback battle, Tommy, because I'll be honest with you. I don't know if, you know, Jordan has a tendency to, to stay nicked up and banged up and injured. You remember last year he was, he was coming out quite a bit and missed it some time. I don't know that we'll have a quarterback battle if, if he continues to run the ball like he has and gets nicked up like he has. We'll just have to wait and see. By the way, as a total side note, because we're talking about the game overall, the, the big national story is that here's Mackenzie Milton, who almost lost his leg and goes in there and, and looks like he can still be a pretty good college football quarterback. Didn't see him. Sh- that was his first contact since the play when he got hurt, Keith, three or four or five years ago, however many years ago that was. 1,017 and- days, I think I heard someone say. He didn't seem timid. He scrambled a couple times. I mean, for him to have the presence of mind on the snap, now it was a roll of the dice, but falling on it really does you no good. So he just picks it up and and saves some yardage on it. That was a heck of a play too. Agreed. And that's, you know, that's from a guy that's thrown for over 8,000 yards in a career. Um, Yeah. You you just get that kind of awareness. You know, it'll be interesting. And I I don't know if anybody will really have the – right words or even the guts to ask, uh, you know, coach Norvell or, or coach Dillingham, you know, is it, is it really true that, that, you know, he, he may not practice very well, but when, as you say, when the lights come on, he's a real performer and, and, you know, do y'all recognize that? Are you aware of it or is that uh, taboo? We're not going to talk about it at all. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I would think this Jacksonville state game is going to be a chance to play both of them however that looks and, and, and get a better feel for them in, a, in an in-game situation. Keith, let's, let's go back, and, and uh, we, we haven't talked about the defense at all. And, you know, on the one hand, when you give up 41 points, it seems hard to say that I thought the defense played well. But as you and I talk about, this is college football today, and, you know, Alabama wins games 56 to 42 sometimes too. Uh, the, the worst thing happened on the first drive of the game and I don't know what TV showed. I didn't see the replay, but obviously it was a coverage bust and a wide open tight end that gets Notre Dame the first points of the game. Well, two things about that. Number one, uh, you could tell that Coach Fuller and his staff on the defensive side, defense coordinator Fuller, uh, were bound and determined they were not going to let Notre Dame do to them on the ground what they did last year uh, during the ball game. Uh, they held Notre Dame to 65 yards total rushing which if you had said going into the ball game that that defense would hold them to that, you, you would really like your chances. That, and, and you would have said whoever suggested that had probably been tailgating too long already. Um, and the other thing you didn't know is with their quarterback, uh, the transfer from Wisconsin, um, Cone, I believe is how they pronounce his last name. You know, he set a Notre Dame record through for well over 300 yards. That's the most yardage in an opening game in the history of Notre Dame football. I mean, it's never been done before. Uh, four touchdowns. Um, you know, FSU took the ground game away 
and with a quarterback that's in his first start at that university, um, you wouldn't you wouldn't say on paper he could do what he did. But uh, my gosh, he was what 24, 25 of thirty five. You know, as mentioned, well over three hundred yards, the four touchdowns. Um, you got to give credit to him and to them. Yeah, there was a bust on some plays, but I think that was more because, uh, you know, Coach Fuller wanted to stop the run. And let's face it, on a couple of those touchdown ca- uh, passes, uh, those are some pretty good throws and catches as well. The, the, the bust that tied in on the first one uh, being, an, being an aside. Well, Travis Jay got beat twice, but, but Keith, and again, this is from the, is it a, you know, we're not into moral victories, and Travis Jay is new at corner. Uh, he was in position, though. I mean, I mean, correct. You know, so that that to me, that's that's an improvement. They were in the right place. Correct. And that was good to see. And I really thought on the first one, I thought he was going to win that that battle uh, because I was staying right in that end zone. But it just didn't just didn't work out that way for him. Uh, the other thing that showed up defensively, Keith, number eleven, who transferred from the University of Georgia that we've hyped and talked about. Uh, the hype is real. That kid can play some football. Jermaine Johnson, I'm talking about. Well, and uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to uh, try to pay a few bills here right now, but uh, I'm going to highlight him with our <clears throat> with our uh, defensive performance of the game, which is um, brought to us by Hobson Chevrolet up in Cairo, Georgia. You know, he, he ended up the game with the second leading tackle. I'm talking about Jermaine Johnson. Had seven tackles, uh, one and a half sacks, two and a half tackles for loss, and he just really set the tone. Uh, early in that ball game. Now they did a good job after halftime, scheming a little bit and uh, using the back and, and chipping on him a little bit. He wasn't as forceful in the second half. But Johnson, I agree with you, really, really set the tone. And um, I'm excited to watch him play, Tommy. Just like I'm excited driving around in my new uh, 2020 uh, Chevy Silverado because uh, I broke down and finally got the diesel version. Bob and Austin finally talked me into getting a diesel. 1500 and I did and I love it and if you want to go get one go see our good friends up in Cairo at uh, Hobson Motors KJ I don't know why he was out and I missed that he left but to your point about him not being as productive in the second half the first two Notre Dame touchdowns in the second half in the third quarter Jermaine Johnson was in the locker room so it was one of the series where Quayshon Fuller had a sack. That's why he right. was in there. Right. And then, and then lo and behold, I look up. I didn't realize he was gone. I couldn't find him on the sideline. And then he comes back running out, and he did play after that. But it was during the period where it went from a Florida State lead early in the second half to suddenly being behind 38-20. He missed two of those scoring drives, and, and, and that's when things almost got away. So he, he's, he's obviously very key. Now, when Florida State needed to get the ball back late, they needed a big uh, third down stop, and it was the other transfer portal defensive end newcomer in Keir Thomas that got the sack. and And I talked to him after the game, and uh, you know he had he he was positive. He wasn't he wasn't happy. He was disappointed, but he was positive about what he saw from his new teammates there, Keith. So I, I think the the biggest takeaway is that that defensive front four, while it doesn't have the depth, it's much better than it was a year ago. You know, and last year we thought that it was going to be a strength and ended up being candidly a, a disappointment. So this year you were just hoping for some improvement, and I would say right now it's probably the strongest segment, uh, at least here in the in the early going for this club, because uh, you know they they ended up with four sacks uh, as a team, and um, 
and you know they averaged like 1.1 sack a ball game last year and had four against the number nine team in the country. Special teams, real quick. I'm trying to think what else we want to hit on here, Keith. I thought it was a bad night for special teams. Uh, you know, they nearly fumbled the, the best return of the night. Turned out they got that call right. It wasn't a fumble. Uh, I, they, they got a gift from Jeff Flanagan and company. I thought that that wasn't a roughing the punter. It was only a running into the kicker. I agree uh, with that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, then you, you miss a kick in, in overtime that you kind of needed to make, and we already talked about that. Uh, you know, uh, M- Master Mono maybe was the, was the best special teamster in that he was punting, especially early in the first quarter and much of the first half. You know, he's punting from his own end zone. And it took him a while to flip the field, but uh, he, he did a decent job as, and has had a good fall camp. But I, for, for someone who emphasizes special teams, I don't think Mike Norvell is, is going to be pleased with or, or John Papuchas with what they saw from their special teams unit on Sunday. And uh, although they made it up with the two-point conversion, let's don't forget the missed extra point. Uh, how big would that one point have been? Obviously, you probably would not have gone for two in the situation that you did. But uh, that's a big uh, empty uh, in the in the in the gun that didn't go off as well. Yeah, a couple other things, and you know there were too many penalties, and it's some of the same folks. I mean, Bavion Johnson goes in at center, and he's got a snap infraction. That was when they had two five-yard penalties to start a drive in a row. Yep, it's yep. Some went, of, went from the two-yard line to the twelve-yard line, or whatever it was. Yep, uh, some of the, some of the same guys there. Too many penalties. And I'll say this: We didn't talk about it. So, Maurice Smith at, at center. I don't. I don't know what's going on with him. But in the pregame, uh, there was some question as to whether he was going to go or not. And he was kind of off to the side. And he was working with, uh, you know, strength coaches and different folks than the than the offensive line. And he played the first half, and then Babion was the center in the second half. But there were several bad snaps, and it seems like this has been. I hate to use the word chronic, but I mean, you can go back to the Alec Everly years, Keith. And when, when you're, I don't know if it shows up on TV as much, but when you're down on the field and you see the quarterback have to reach two, two feet above his head or two yards to his right or left, it basically kills the play before it gets going. And that's something that FSU's got to fix. When the ball doesn't come back like it's supposed to, it makes the, uh, you know, the fake, the RPO fake, you know, just not mesh, but you're exactly right. I, I counted three true fumbles, um, just, you know, the center getting the ball back to the quarterback. And, and I, you know, I, I don't know, but I started paying attention to it and how they hold the ball and how they do it. I mean, there were a couple of times that the ball appeared to just slip out of the hands of whoever was in its center uh, because of the way they snap it. Um, cause they just used the one hand on the, on the back of the ball. Um, you know, again, I'm, I, that's a, that's a question for, for our friend Pat and, and some others that, you know, have played that position, but, uh, you, you're right. There, there were more than one instance of that being a problem. What else do we need to hit on? We need to know who our, uh, prime Meridian bank performer of the game is, don't we Keith? We do, we do, and I'm going to give that one. Uh, this will be no secret, uh, but to, to Jason uh, Corbin finished the game with 15 carries, 144 yards. That's 9.6 per touch. Had that long 89-yard touchdown, and he is our Prime Meridian Bank performer of the game. Prime Meridian Bank, two locations in Tallahassee, Timberlane and Capital Circle, branches down in Crawfordville and in Lakeland. 
And if you're looking for a home loan, uh, either new or a refi, you want to get uh, that truck from uh, uh, Hobson Chevrolet financed, uh, stop by and see our good friends at Prime Meridian Bank. They do a wonderful job. And uh, hats off to Corbin, former of the Game Award. Well, and and to just follow up on that, we we uh, talked and it had been documented that both Corbin and Keyshawn Helton, now that they're two years removed from their injuries, had a burst back. And I think we we clearly saw that from both of them. I mean, the the run from Corbin, Helton didn't have a huge night, but he had that two point conversion where he looked quick and and looked more like he did two years ago. So, you know that that preseason talk that was real. Uh, you know, in the case of those two. And I, I'll say this, I, I do think, and we'll wrap this up here shortly, Keith, I, I know it's a loss. I know there's still offensive line deficiencies. You end up outgaining Notre Dame in that game. I mean, I don't, I'm pretty sure I'm not looking at the final stats. Uh, you know, and, and even if you don't have the best collection of skill players that Florida State's ever had, you hit a 60-yard pass, you hit an 89-yard uh, run. I mean, I, I think you got to give some credit there offensively for how they, they scheme some things up. That 60-yard that touchdown pass, by the way, that's, that's putting a running back out wide. And now he's a running back receiver, but Notre Dame put a safety on him, maybe just thinking it was the running back, and he just blew right past him. Well, and they, and they schemed it well. He ran it from the slot, which means typically the corner will stay on the outside with the wide receiver, and that's how you get the matchup with the safety. But, yeah. It, it was a nice. Uh, to your point, Tommy, Florida State outgained Notre Dame 442 to 431, and the Seminoles uh, outrushed the Fighting Irish 264 yards to 65 yards, almost a mirror image of uh, reverse uh, mirror image of what happened in the game last year. Yeah, it was, you know, it's a coulda, woulda, shoulda, but it's a short week, so you can't feel sorry for yourself. But, you know, if you win that thing in overtime, Keith, you beat the number nine team in the country, even though you lost the turnover battle three to one, and even though you committed more penalties. Uh, so that, that's a way of saying that there's a lot to clean up, and you were right there. And uh, I'll say this, I don't know how it showed up on TV, uh, Keith, when as you were watching it, but it was... Uh, it was a, it was a great atmosphere. It was an electric night. It was a it was a packed crowd. People were in there early. The flyover was cool. Obviously, Ann Bowden was on the field. Uh, Keith, I mentioned in the pregame, and it sounds obvious, but I don't know if any, everybody's contemplated or thought about it. This is the first game in the history of Florida State football that Bobby Bowden was not alive when it was played. Seventy fifth anniversary. So think about that. So anyway, wow. it was. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot going on. I'm not saying that he was following Florida State in his early years, but uh, you get the point there. Um, well, let to... me let me correct you one point, though, Tommy. Uh, Doak Campbell Stadium opened in fifty forty nine or fifty, and they played a game or two. But Coach Bowden actually played in the game that was the uh, official grand opening of Doak Campbell Stadium. Right, you're, so right, while, you're right. While he might not have been a fan, he was an actual participant because, um, you know, I'm pretty sure he's the only player in the history of college football that played in the inaugural official opening game, then coached at the institution, and then had the field named after him. Yeah, I think that's a pretty safe bet. I, I'm not going to get the research team on that one, Keith. We're just going to go with that and call that <laughs> – we're going to call that truth. All right, folks. Well, if you're new to this, uh, invite you to join us for Front Row Knowles uh, every Wednesday. 
from noon to one on uh, 93.3 Real Talk Tallahassee. But uh, we also do this, which is basically unscripted, raw, right after the game. It's uh, As I look at my clock, it's about 1.12 a.m., Keith, as we're finishing this up on Monday morning. And we'll put this to bed for now. It'll hit your podcast feeds. But we do this after each and every Florida State game. And I uh, uh, invite you to spread the word. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you don't do so already. Keith, with that said, uh, I will uh, chat with you again later this week. We'll do our regular show on Wednesday. Look forward to it, Tommy. He's Keith. I'm Tom. This is Front Row Knowles.